One, two, three. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Amen. Let's all be seated in the household. I'm telling you, Wednesdays is loud. I don't think earplugs or nothing like that's going to work. It just is what it is. Radicals, man. I tell you, I appreciate that. I get excited about it. Amen. Making sure I didn't miss no nothing. Uh, got that prayer request going. Amen. Praise God. All right. Well, let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for blessing us, Lord, blessing us to be here tonight. We thank you for giving us yet another opportunity to sit at your feet and to receive fresh rhema from heaven. I bind the work of the devil right now in the name of Jesus, that there be no distractions, but that your word would go forth and accomplish that which you've sent it to. We thank you, Lord, and we surrender to the power of the Holy Ghost now. In Jesus' name, amen. The church said amen. Praise God. All right. All right, look at your name and say, get your Bible out. Okay, it's Wednesday night. Uh, we call it Faith Academy, amen? amen. And, and when do you graduate from Faith Academy? You don't, yeah, when, there you go. When you get to heaven, you, <laughs> they'll give you your diploma or whatever you want. <laughs> but as long as you're here, you still enrolled, amen? And you still have classes coming up. So God is going to keep us in line because we're committed to his word. I'm going to preach this message tonight entitled Faith and Action. Faith and Action. Uh, a lot of times people, I don't know, I, I, you know, I don't apologize for what God does through me at the pulpit, but we're not a uh, military church or we're not just some regimented, you know, type of organization. We're not a cult. We're just people that believes what the Bible says. And we believe that in order for us to benefit from what the Bible has to offer, we got to do what it says. And that's the way we are here in this ministry. And so, and that's why we teach the way we teach. So faith and action. Let's go to James, James chapter two. We'll look at verse 14. We're just going to be going through this chapter tonight, but uh, verse 14 in the NLT, he says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Stop right there. Boy, that goes a long way. Because there's many people that could say, I'm a Christian. But how does an unsaved person know that you are really a Christian? It's not going to be based on what you say. It's going to be based on what they see you do. And a lot of times people don't realize that they ruin witnessing opportunities that God would have had for them because they've been a bad witness unknowingly. And so they didn't know who was looking. And so all of a sudden God says, well, you know, I was going to use you to help this person over here, but the way you've been acting in front of them kind of uh, disqualifies you. Oh, well, Pastor, that seems judgmental. I'm just going to read the Bible. You guys can do with it what you want. But this is what God says. And the thing about God is we're not going to change him. Are you did you guys are you aware of that? It doesn't matter what new fad or what new wave of whatever comes out. It's not changing God. God says, I'm the Lord. I change not. 
And so the people who do all the changing is, is us. So after I met Jesus, he didn't change. All these years later, I changed. And so and that's the way this works. And so people, they may argue this, but this is what it is. And we can just listen and, and live by it. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Oh, and then now this brings clarity to some of the confusion that's out there because people are quick to argue that we are saved by grace, not of works. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast, which is very true, as it states in Ephesians. But what this means is you can't work your way to salvation. You just got to receive it. But after you're saved. They're going to be some evidence. Oh, come on, somebody. And see, uh, the works are not to get me saved. The works are a result of my salvation. Amen. That's how the world will know that I'm really saved because they're going to see some different actions. Amen. And so um, once again, people argue, they may say, well, God knows my heart. You heard a lot of people say that. God knows my heart. And. Yes, he does. He knows your heart. He knows everything about you, where you come from, all this type of stuff. But people will argue God knows my heart. But I want to help you know that in the spirit realm. See, my job as a pastor of this church and preaching the gospel under the anointing God's put me under. He's released on my life is to empower people is to help people win while they're here on planet Earth. My anointing is not to just make people feel good in areas of life that are wrong in the eyes of God. And so if people argue, God knows my heart. A lot of times people do stuff and they say, well, I didn't mean to do that. Okay, that's fine. And, and God's not going to throw you away. Amen. God is uh, abundant grace, mercy. You know what? People make mistakes all the time. But that's why we have a word called repentance. And so we don't keep walking the wrong way. We turn. But we have to understand that there's a spiritual side of things. And we need to know how this works. Because a lot of people will go through unnecessary struggles in life because they just don't know how the game works. They say, well, I, you know, God knows my heart. But in the spirit realm, your actions are evaluated. And so you may say, well, God knows my heart. But in the spirit realm, actions are evaluated. And guess what? Our actions open and close doors. Come on, I'm helping you. Our actions open and close doors. Uh, Some people say, oh, well, I just, man, I don't know why this is happening. Well, I'm always telling people, let's go ahead and uh, trace it back. Let's see what you've been doing. Oh, what do you mean? No, that's what I mean. I want to see. Let's find out where the window is Somebody opened a window or something like that. Somebody, it just might be the back door. Come on. If you're feeling air coming in your house and it's cold, what do you do? You search around and say, man, where is that window? You know something been left open because that air is coming in and it's not comfortable. A lot of times people don't even put two and two together. They don't see stuff is going wrong in their lives. But they don't say, well, where is the window? They're still talking about, I don't know why this is happening. 
Well, in the spirit realm, your actions are evaluated. And so our actions open and close doors. Now, obedience welcomes angelic assistance. I'm not making this stuff up, man. I'm not making this up. Oh, pastor, you know, it just seems like there's so much works and so much. Listen, we didn't make the rules to this, man. But we've been given access to it through Jesus. And we can thank God for that. Because without Jesus, there's a whole system that's functioning and you can't benefit from it. It's basically without Jesus, you're just forced to lose. You're forced to play this game and lose every time. But because of Jesus, you can win, but you can't go up in there changing the rules. You have now been given access to do it, but you got to do it according to the truth. And so obedience welcomes angelic assistance. You could just uh, make a note of this. I didn't give them this scripture, but Psalm 34, 7, Psalm 34, 7. He says, uh, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. You know what? When somebody fears God, boy, you know, the fear of God, man, that's what changed everything for me. The fear of God will have you obeying God when nobody else is looking. Oh, come on, somebody. The fear of God will have you doing right. The fear of God will be on you and you won't. Man, you won't even want to pick up a dollar off the floor. You say, wait, hold on. Let me see. Did somebody, anybody drop this? I'm just saying, is there somebody around here? It's the fear of the Lord. You don't want to lie on nothing. You don't want to do nobody wrong, you know, because it's the fear of the Lord. And then he says, uh, verse eight, he says, old taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. And so my obedience is going to bring angelic assistance. How many of y'all want that kind of assistance? See, this is the super coming into the natural. And any situation I face, I could face it with confidence to know that my God is opening me up to greater provision. Amen. Greater provision. And so uh, it says here, um, yeah, taste and see. I mean, I'm always quoting the King James, but they have taste and see that the Lord is good. And so um, the King James says, uh, yeah, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And then verse eight, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Amen. And that includes woman. And so that means I'm going to trust God. If I trust God, I mean, if you trust God, you're going to do what he says. But what if it doesn't make any sense? Well, what about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Right. Jesus says, if there's another way, I'm, you know, what's man, people will say, well, that's Jesus. He clearly knew what was going to happen. No, he didn't have the whole plan. Why? Because he had to show sacrificial trust. The same sacrificial trust that you and I are going to have to uh, exhibit in our lives. And guess what? There are going to be times where you don't know the whole plan. God's going to say, do this. In your mind, you're going to want to know, okay, but I just got to know how this is going to play out. And God says, I'm not telling you. Just obey me. I'll tell you one thing you will know for sure. If you don't obey me, you're not getting blessed. So if you obey me, 
then now you can expect something good. You might not know how it's going to play out, but you know it's going to be good. And so obedience welcomes angelic assistance. And here's another one. People don't like to hear this type of stuff at church, but I think church is supposed to be a place where people can go and get the truth. That, I'm just saying, that's what I think. I think church is supposed to be a place where, listen, everybody's lying to you in the world. But you ought to at least be able to go to church and get the truth. And even if you don't like it, at least it's true. Amen. And so disobedience attracts demonic attacks. So I just said obedience welcomes angelic assistance. Disobedience attracts demonic attacks. Why? Because you put your hedge down. See, and if you know that the enemy is as a roaring lion, seek lion seeking whom he may devour. Amen. Amen. And so if the, the enemy is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, well, he's looking for somebody who does not have their hedge up. Well, if your hedge is not up. Now you become a target. Amen. And so disobedience causes us to put our force field down. And so I'd rather stay in that place where I'm just welcoming God's protection, God's goodness. When the devil goes to looking for me and he comes, I want him to see. Oh, yeah, well, we, we might want to leave him alone. I mean, maybe, you know, because he don't he don't really want to fight. He just wants somebody he could bully. Amen. He wants somebody he could just, you know, just bully him and get away with anything with them. But you have that power and you start to learn who you are, um, he'll, you know, you'll resist him through your obedience. See, resisting the devil is not just like standing up, I'm rebuking him all day. If I'm rebuking the devil all day, that means he's coming too close to me. Oh, y'all didn't. If I'm rebuking the devil all day long, he's coming too close to me. This scripture, I'm, I, I know I'm giving you all these, but 1 Peter 5, 6, um, yeah, through 9. Well, actually through 8. Or maybe through 9. <laughs> Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, this is a big thing to learn in Christianity. You don't know what you're doing. Oh, no, but I'm, you know, because a lot of times in the world, we hide behind our credentials. Amen. We hide behind our credentials and we get promoted and applauded based upon our credentials. But in the kingdom, your your credentials don't mean anything. Amen. You could say, well, you know, I have a uh, triple doctorate and. And a demon will say, that means nothing here. Mm-hmm. To us, you're a kindergartner. <laughs> right? Because there's a lot of super educated people getting whooped on every day. So this is not how this kingdom works. But in order for us to get the benefits, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Next verse. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Next verse. 
Now, I want you to get this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, right? He's not a roaring lion. You know, we know Jesus is a lion of the tribe of Judah and all that. But the devil's just a copycat. You know, it's like just a lion with no teeth. Amen. He just sort of making a bunch of noise. Can't bite nobody, can't harm nobody. But he deceives people to put themselves into harm's way. And so he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So imagine this. If the devil is walking around looking for somebody. So what does that mean? He's not picking everybody. He said he's walking around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's he's going to pull up on you. Oh, can I? Man, I oh, OK, I, can, I can't get them. So let me see. I'm going to pull up on. And so he's just bouncing from. And then he's trying to find someone who does not have the hedge up. And that's why I said disobedience attracts demonic attacks because now you are a target with no armor. When people say, man, pastor, but what are you saying? I'm saying you keep drinking poison, you're going to be poisoned. That's what that means. You know, it's like sometimes people eat some and then they, oh, my stomach is just jacked up. Well, maybe don't eat that anymore. I'm just saying. If that thing's been, every time you eat it and you get all jacked up, you might need to eat something else. This is how this works. Very practical. And then he says, next verse, verse 9, whom resists steadfast in the faith. That's how we resist the devil, is in the faith. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And basically what this means is you're not going through anything different than anyone else. You had a rough day. It seemed like everything was coming at you. Guess what? The devil tried that same old stuff on somebody in New Jersey. It's the same. It ain't nothing new. It's the same stuff. And so you have access to victory, but you're going to have to do something about it. Now, let's go back to James, our text. In uh, James 2, we'll look at 15 in the NLT. And so now this is coming off of, uh, like he says, you know, Faith, you got to have, you, you can't just have, uh, actually, can you put up 14 so I can read into it? I've, I'm just making it work back there. Let's, I want to see that computer just back there, those keys smoking. <laughs> Pastor, these keys are hot. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith and don't show it by your actions? So we're clear on that. Can that kind of faith Save anyone. Now, James makes it very practical. Gives us an example. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. And you say goodbye. Have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? I mean, we get that example, right? Doesn't that make sense? It's like, what you mean? Be warm and eat well. You saw me cold and hungry. And you came up and told me to stay warm and eat well. But you didn't give me nothing to help me do that. You see what I'm saying? And that's empty words. That's 
That's words that have no action behind them. And that's not helping anyone. Next verse. So uh, verse 17. So he says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Uh, So we hear people say, keep the faith, brother. You just got to keep the faith. What faith are you talking about? What faith? What do you mean? Faith in who? People got faith in all kind of stuff. But that don't mean it's true biblical faith. See, true biblical faith is not, listen, you can do a lot with your faith and you can say, man, I'm just going to believe just like we could pray. We could pray and say, I'm going to believe for that healing. I'm believing by faith. You know, that's good. But the way we really know we have faith is we are a people that obey God. That's how we know we really got faith in God. So it says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces. Y'all OK with this today? Amen. So what about your your friends that's going to tell you, oh, don't judge me, brother. I'm a Christian just like you. I know I still, you know, I mean, I still go to the club and I'm still, you know, womanizing and all that. But, you know, you can't judge me because only God knows my heart. And we can say, we don't know your heart, but we sure see what you're doing. Amen. <laughs> I can't tell you what's in your heart, but I can tell you what I see and it don't look good. Amen? Amen. But this is what James is trying to say, because people come up with all this stuff. And this is how you get those pastors that are uh, presenting a, a something before people. But then you find out this person. Oh, man. How many times have we heard this? The pastor ran off with the choir leader or the pastor. It's like, wait a minute. Hold on. How did that happen? Wait a minute. I remember one person told me that said, I said, yeah, these the, the deacons at their church, they used to get together, have these meetings and be drinking like cognac and all that. I said, dang, what is going on? These people never read James. <laughs> They clearly have not read this. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces. See, faith has to produce unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. It is dead and useless. So that means that's like if I said I, I if I went back to some of my friends that used to know me before I was saved. I was producing fruit when I was unsaved. And that fruit was wickedness. It was not kingdom fruit. But if I went back to them and said, I'm saved, but I still kept producing, come on, y'all, the same fruit. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm saved now, but you know what they're going to say? Okay, that's good, but you you still going to the club, right? You want me to pick you up at 8? They don't care if you say you're saved. They're going to pay attention to what you're doing. Okay, oh, oh, you still say, okay, but go ahead and hit this. Come on, I'm just telling the truth. Because there has to be something being produced. If I say I got faith in Jesus, there has to be something being produced in my life so that someone can see that, wait a minute, man, that dude has changed. Oh, something happened to him. He don't even talk the same way. He don't think the same way. You see what I'm saying? But sometimes we think that faith is just 
believing for some miraculous thing. Faith at the core of its meaning has to do with obedience. That's where everything starts. And so faith, it says, unless it produces good deeds. So what if that person says that, see, that's that works mentality. Well, what do you say? I, you know what? I'll tell you what to say. Just tell them, oh, let's go to James 2.17. Because a lot of times people come up with complaints about what you're saying or how you're living or whatever standards you're holding. They don't even, they, they can't even find James. You start talking about, let's go to James 2.17. I said, what, James? Uh, what? Uh, see? You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But if you don't know the truth, you can't be free and you'll fall for anything. And so you have all these people. And I have met my share of them in this life. They will do all these wicked deeds, but they will argue to you and they'll tell you they're saved. They're saved. I am not God. So I'm not I don't have time to be going around telling people, well, no, you're not saved. That's on them and God. But one thing I know for sure is there's not going to be a question with me. See, I'm responsible for my own actions. And so I am not going to have a question mark over my head wondering, am I saved? I'm going to know. I mean, you can convince yourself that you're saved by the actions that you see yourself do. You say, man, I I got to be saved. You know what I mean? Because some of you. You know, you you probably like me. If you mess up, God don't even let you stand that mess up for like, man, you can't even stand that thing for five minutes. You call yourself getting mad at somebody and all of a sudden, man, the Holy Ghost will get on you in two minutes. You're like, wow, that's because you deliver. You still mad at people for weeks. Hey, yeah, I can't stand it. I better not see him today. Oh, man, that's something got to change, right? So unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, um, and so your faith must be producing. Look at your name and say your faith must be producing. This ain't about talk. It's about production, man. You know what I'm saying? You know, they don't give... uh, uh, all these athletes, these contracts based on talk. Amen. They said, well, you know what, man, I, I'm pretty good at baseball. I can uh, go ahead and, you know, I can knock it out the park. And they're like, well, we need some film. And we need to see some film and then we need to see some production. This is the way it works in the kingdom. Don't a, a lot of people talking that save talk, but they not they're not walking saved. And the devil knows they got no power. And so they're on this struggle. It's this continuous struggle of life. But we must understand that our faith must be producing. Now go to John 15, 5 through 8. John 15, 5 through 8. We're still in the NLT. So this is Jesus. Jesus says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. So we, we like that, right? We say, man, Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. But look what he says. Those who remain in me. Why would he have to say remain? Oh, so is that a, is there an option for a person to walk away from him? Because why would he say you got to remain? 
See, some people could start out good. Oh, man, I, I want Jesus. And they start out, but then they get hit with opposition or something comes, a, a life change or, or some sorrow comes upon them or something like that. And then they walk away. Well, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me. Look at your name and say, I'm, re- I'm staying in Jesus. Man, I don't care. I don't listen. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't care what goes on in this world. I'm staying with Jesus. I don't care if everybody says, man, don't nobody want to hear that no more. I don't care. I'm staying with Jesus. This, I ain't got nothing else to go to. Amen. So, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them. You see that? See, this is a mutual agreement. Jesus is not going to just force himself and say, no, I'm with you. I'm, we no, we fellowshipping today. I'll tell you that right now. We fellowshipping today. No, he's like, I'm here. I would love to fellowship with you. But now you're going to have to come back and say, well, I'm here, too. And I want to fellowship with you. This is mutual. Amen. And so those who remain in me and I in them will. Does it say might? Do you understand that you cannot be walking with Jesus and not produce fruit? This is impossible. What? No, you cannot be in fellowship walking with Jesus and not produce fruit. You ought to just know that's how it works. Because I'm with Jesus. And that's why you don't spend your time concentrating on how to produce fruit. You spend your time on how you can be in fellowship with Jesus. You spend your time focusing on how you can get closer to your God. You don't spend your time on how you can look right and act right and and do all this stuff right all the time. No, you spend your time. Figuring out, you know what, I'm, I need to get with God today. I need to have more time with him. I want to be in more fellowship. I want to be so close to God where I could just hear him. I could hear him say something and he don't even have to say it that loud. Amen. Then from that relationship, from that place, you're going to see fruit. Things are going to change. And so, yes, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me. And I and them will produce how much fruit? Wow, what is that? Produce much fruit. I mean, that means you're going to have enough peace in you to help somebody else. Come on. That means you're going to be, you're going to have enough joy in you. Come on, that even uh, the angriest person can't steal your joy. Come on. Some of you are like, I have some joy, but then... Shoot, I mess around and mess so-and-so. <laughs> you don't want to have your joy just, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's like not good to drive around on a quarter of a tank. Come on. You driving around, you need to f- go ahead and get that thing filled up, man, because it's a little more peace, because when you're on a quarter of a tank, you're always looking back at it. You say, well, I just I wonder how many, you know. But when you fill it up, you're just rolling. Well, when you got joy like that, you got the joy of the Lord on you, <laughs> man. You got enough. You got enough joy in you that that knucklehead ain't going to affect you. 
Come on. This person with this bad attitude ain't going to affect you. Amen. This is what God is talking about. This is that fruit that's abounding. Now, uh, then he says, you will, you will produce much fruit. He says, for apart from me. What is this, man? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Ah, and then if you, you know, you could read some more of that on your own for your homework. But he starts to talk about, man, those that separate from me, they're going to fall off and die and be bundled up to be burned. You know, stuff like that. And so this connection with Jesus, see, people make mistakes by saying stuff to cliches and stuff like that. They say, well, I almost got in the flesh on you. What does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean you almost stepped away from Jesus? Or, I, I, you know, you need to break it down for me. Make it elementary. Make it plain. You said I almost jumped into the flesh. So what does that mean? You jumped out the spirit? You better stay connected to Jesus all the time. Now, you might be tempted, but temptation is not sin. It's the yielding to the temptation that makes it sin. The Holy Ghost is always going to be there. He's your advocate. He's your standby. Come on. He's your comforter. He's the paracletos. He's going to be the one that said, no, no, no. That's see. We stay right here now. That's going to be the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to say, see, somebody cut you off. They, you know what I mean? I was on my way to church. My bad on, you know, I got to get that thing together where I'm just early. Some people come early to church. I need to get, you know, I need to catch a revelation of being early to church. <laughs> but, you know, you, you inevitably when you kind of, you know, behind a little bit. You know, somebody just going to get in the way. <laughs> and so I'm right here, man. I'm I'm just coming down promontory over there. And, you know, I'm driving, you know, just flowing. I'm not speeding or nothing, but I'm just flowing along. And I see this white car coming. And see, I remember it was white. I mean, that must be still in my mind. But anyway, this car is coming. And I'm, you know, I'm just, oh, surely they're going to stop. I mean, I'm, it's a stop sign. Isn't that what people do? <laughs> Man, I said, you know how you could tell when people surely did not look. When you're driving and they just pull right out in front of you. And so I thank God I got the Holy Ghost because my instinct was high beam and horn. Come on, I'm just being I'm being transparent. My instinct, this is why it's so important, man, that you stay in the spirit, because you're not going to be able to maintain in the flesh. You're going to think you're going, you know how to act right. The devil knows how to get just that one. Come on now. Oh, man, but no, pastor, I'm disciplined. I keep it together. No, you better depend on Jesus because the devil got somebody that know how to get under your skin. He knows what button to push. And so I, now look at what, what I look like. If I high beamed and horned. On my way to church. What if they came to the church? <laughs> what if they was coming up in here? How am I going to explain that? So needless to say, the Holy Ghost was like, don't do it. I said, yes, Lord. Amen. Hey, 
And he, and he said, now back up off of them. Don't be trying to get too close. <laughs> oh, come on, y'all know, you know, <laughs> you know, somebody cuts you off and you just up on them for a minute. You're like, eh. <laughs> no, nah, y'all don't do that. Good. I'm glad you don't. <laughs> but that's the help of the Holy Ghost. That's stand in the spirit because you can't you can't be giving the devil nothing to work with. Man, that could have messed up the whole church service. Just somebody cutting me off and me high beaming and laying on the horn. I'm supposed to get up here under the anointing. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all have been like, Pastor, what's wrong? You seem like you ain't on point tonight. <laughs> but this is always real life examples. Well, he says, without me, you could do nothing. So don't get connected to God. Stay connected. Don't let anything interfere with your connection to God. No matter what it is, no matter the level of frustration, the matter, no matter the level of irritation, no matter what it is, don't let any person, place, or thing interfere with your connected, your connection to God. Because without Him, you can do nothing. Amen. 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 Now, if I stay connected, I'm going. I'm going to produce a lot of fruit. I'm telling you right now. You stay connected to Jesus like that. You'll be changing atmospheres. You'll be changing atmospheres. You'll be walking into places, man, and you'll be changing atmospheres. And it seemed like a cloud of uh, stinkiness was all up in there. But you come in with the fresh air. You come in with fresh hope. Come on, somebody. Because that's what you do. You produce. You don't go into situations and everybody changes you. Then you come home, man. You come home from work. The family's like, dang, what's going on? Because you didn't brought your bad day home. That ain't the anointing. That ain't how this is supposed to work. The anointing is supposed to get rid of the bad day. And that joy is supposed to overtake everything. Amen? Y'all believe it? Now, some people could hear me preaching this and say, oh, see, that's just too hard. That's because... You forgot what well, we started out in, and it was first Peter five, six, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. God never asks you to have power to do nothing. He just wants you to surrender. Humble yourself, let him do everything. And then don't be making excuses for not doing what's right. Just Humble yourself and let God guide you. Let's go back to James. We, James chapter 2, now we're on verse 18. I'm just reading through this because it's powerful stuff. You can share this with someone. Now, someone may argue. Don't people argue? You know what I learned? That God don't want us arguing with people. Because you can't convince people. The Holy Ghost is going to have to get a hold of them. I mean... I've spent time arguing and I uh, mistakenly spent time doing that. Arguing the Bible, like standing like, hey, no, it's this way, it's that way. Then the Holy Ghost, he, he made it clear. Don't don't. Don't waste that. Don't waste your anointing. People, some people just ain't going to get it. And you just tell them, you know what? That ain't true. But that's what you're following. Go ahead. But this is what I'm doing over here. And I do give you an invitation to evaluate my fruit. 
and people will see your life. And then later on, they're going to applaud you. They're going to say, man, ah, you're just so, it's just so, you know, I, I can remember having this long debate with my dad. My dad was on some weird spiritual stuff. And I was trying and, and I was, you know, newer in my walk with the Lord at that time. So I hadn't got that revelation yet of, you know, don't be wasting time. So I'm trying to convince him. I'm thinking I got to get him saved. But you know what? I didn't convince him. But what I did is I kept living what I said I was going to live. And so what has happened over the years is all I've gotten from him is high praises based on the fruit that he has seen from my life. See, that's, your fruit is going to speak for itself. So just be a person that's living with Jesus and allowing fruit to be on display for others to see it instead of arguing with them about whatever it is they want to do. And so he says, now, someone may argue some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? Did y'all read that? What is that? So is James saying, like, if you ain't knocking right, you don't have faith. Is that what he's saying? Or am I reading into that, too? Sounds like he's saying, how are you going to show me some faith, your faith, without good deeds? So to me, it sounds like James is saying, action speaks louder than words. Sounds like James is saying, uh, don't talk about it, be about it. Let me, I don't want to hear no lip service. Amen. Someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, uh, uh, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? And then he says, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. How many of y'all are willing to step up to that challenge? You tell people, anybody you meet, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what I believe based on what you see me doing. All you got to do is watch me. That's a lot different than saying, don't judge me. No, no, no. Judge me. Judge me. And let's see what kind of judgment you come up with. Boy, I'm trying to to help people get up to that level of boldness. Because if you do that, because the enemy might say, well, but dang, but what if you mess up now? Because you, you didn't put yourself out there like that. Now they, you know what I mean? You, you never know. They might. You need to tell the devil, this ain't on me. This is on God. And by faith, I could tell people, watch me. And I'm telling you, man, you're going to find yourself doing right and drawing people to God instead of pushing them away. Next verse, let's go to, let's see. And so, uh, or actually, we're going to go to Philippians 4, 9 in the Amplify. But while they're, they're turning there, it's, you know, the kingdom. So we are citizens of the kingdom. We live on planet Earth. But I've been telling you guys for a long time, this ain't our home. This is, you know what I'm saying? We just passing through. And we submit to a higher level of authority. And the authority that we submit to, it operates in a different manner. And so the kingdom is all about action. The kingdom is all about action, not empty words. 
Amen? The kingdom is all about action, not empty words. Now, Philippians 4, 9, in the Amplified Classic, he says, practice what you have learned and received. Now, stop right there. This is Paul. How many of y'all believe Paul was a soldier? But now Paul started out on the wrong side. He started out as an enemy of the cross. He started out as an enemy of the church. But then what happened is Paul got converted. See, a lot of people that call themselves Christians have not been converted. I'll be the one to say it. They have not been converted. You got some of those people you might know in your life and they're calling themselves Christians but they don't have the evidence, you might need to start praying, Lord, give them a road to Damascus experience. How about you, come on, knock them off their high horse and blind them for three days. (laughs) Man, you're coming out of chains like, what happened to you? Oh, I was blinded for three days. (laughs) I felt the fire of God. But that's what kind of experience Paul had. Well, as a result of that, he was truly transformed. The old him was gone. And so he says, now he's been an example. He says, practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Are you all ready for this challenge? Are you ready to tell anybody that God might tell you to say this to? Practice. What do you mean? See, how am I supposed to live? Just watch what I do. Practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And model your way of living on it. See? This is like, I'm not just telling you. I'd be like me as a pastor up in here, telling y'all, hey man, don't get caught slipping, you know, don't be doing all this stuff. And then you see me at the grocery store and I got all this wine and all this junk in my cart. What you gonna do? Some of you are gonna be like, oh no, pastor. You're gonna have to put that back. <laughs> I don't know what you think you're doing. <laughs> no, just, hey, but you ought to expect me to live on a high enough standard to where at least everything I'm telling you not to do, I'm not doing it. You ought not be giving me no pass for doing stuff that I tell you not to do. That is poor leadership. A lot of times we have leadership in place that is not True biblical leadership, because true biblical leadership operates on uh, the principle of exampleship. And it's always that's the way Jesus did it. Jesus showed them. And he empowered them. And so Jesus would say things like greater works than these shall you do. But in order for him to say greater works, there had to be some works. So greater works than these shall you do. But he demonstrated the works. And so what Paul is saying, practice what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me and model your way of living on it. Now, if you do that. So now it's all about uh, I'm being productive with my life, but also 
Now, Paul is exposing them to results. So, God is not a God that says, you just better obey me and just be, you just better be happy that I didn't strike you to hell. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible always has a reward for obedience. And so Paul is saying, model your way of living on it. And then what's going to happen? And the God of peace, of untroubled, undisturbed well-being will be with you. And so you got somebody that's going through a chaotic situation or they're going through some times, some rough times. But then you tell them, do what I do, obey God. And then guess what? Now you're going to get peace. Come on, the God of peace, untroubled, undisturbed well-being will be with you. How do I get to a better situation? Do what I do. What is that? Obey God. And people need somebody that they can look at. And you know what? I don't know the type of person I am. I'm not like, I'm not really like a, I've never been really a jealous person or being envious of people or something. I've never been like that. I like to have an example. If somebody is able to do it, I say, oh, well, it could be done. Praise God. That's awesome. Somebody's able to do it. And so instead of attracting haters, we will start attracting a lot of people that say, I'm, I've just been looking for somebody to show me how to do it. Yeah. Right. There it is. Okay, I'm going to follow him. Instead of, oh, who he think he is. He think he's, uh, you see what I'm saying? But if you're really trying to go somewhere, you know, people that are uh, trying to advance, let's say sports, they don't, they're not hating on the guys that came before them. They're learning from them. You know, like Kobe would always talk about how much he learned from Jordan. He was never talking about, oh, who does Jordan think he is? No, he knew who Jordan was. And what was he doing? Trying to get, I'm saying, well, how you do that? How you do that shot? Trying to learn from him. That's the way we're supposed to be. We ought to have people looking at us and wanting to model our way of living because they want to get the results. And so, once again, the kingdom is all about action, not empty words. Let's go back to James now. James, uh, we were in two. Let's, we're up to verse 19. We'll go 19 and 20 NLT. So, when we start to understand this, then we, we realize, oh, this is a little more clarity on faith. So, he says, you say you have faith, for you believe. That there is one God. Stop right there. I meet people on outreach. And they're all, they're talking that. Oh yeah, uh-huh. I got, I mean, they don't have action behind it. But, you know, sometimes God may lead me to get further, you know, go a little further into the discussion or whatever. But then you find out they're just believing in something, but it ain't necessarily Jesus. And so he says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. What's, what's James say? NLT, I like the way they put it. Is that good for you? Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, isn't that special? Then he says, even the demons believe this. Yeah. What? Even the demons believe this and they tremble 
in terror. Man, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And so demons believe, but they can't produce because they can't abide in Jesus. And so they can acknowledge. So demons know they know God is God. They know that they're not even trying to argue with it. They're not trying to argue with God. They're trying to stay away from God. They believe me. They already know who God is. They just trying to mess up your faith. They're trying to mess you up so that you don't believe. But they ain't going. You ask a demon who's God. They're going to tell you. And they fear and tremble. They tell me, "Ooh, where is he? That's why when Jesus rolled up on the man, the madman from Gadara, the first thing that he said, what's your name? Legions. But before then, he was like, oh, no, Jesus, what have you come to torment us before the time? They see him. They know who he is. And so demons can believe, but they can't produce because they can't abide in Jesus. They can acknowledge the power of God, but they cannot benefit from it. You and I, we can benefit from this power. And so we want to be in a place where we see this fruit coming forth. Uh, Let's see. Verse 21. We'll go verse 21. Almost finished. Verse 21. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by what? See, God wanted to know where Abraham really was. And so what did he do? He told Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac. Promised child. Wanted him to give up what he loved the most. But that's how he was going to be able to see if he was really with him. And so don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Next verse. You see his faith and his actions, what they do? Oh, they weren't separate. His faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Do you guys see why I spend so much time on obedience? It's like that's the theme of our ministry. It always comes back around to obedience. Why? But if you read this, how do you get away from that? I mean, there's no way to get away from this. This is just is what it is. And so his faith and his actions work together. Faith always produces corresponding action. Real faith is always going to produce corresponding action. Let's continue to read here. Verse 23. And so it happened just as the scripture says, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Next verse. So uh, let's see. So you see, we are shown to be uh, we are shown to be right with God by what we do. Stop right there. Boy, this ought to be the end of the works mentality argument. If you ever run up on these people, their whole church is built on this. Staying away from works, staying away from works. Going so far into grace that they just don't even pay attention to any works. But he says, so you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do. 
not by faith alone. So you could be hallelujah, you could be doing all the religious stuff. But at the end of the day, God is looking at your actions. And your actions are what matters most. Verse 25. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid uh, those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So we got to produce. It's got to be seen. People got to see it on our lives. And we can uh, understand this ourselves. Obedience is evidence of faith. And so I want to I make sure you get this before we close. Obedience is evidence of faith. Disobedience is the result of a lack of faith. So any area of my life that I do not obey God in, that is an area where I have a lack of faith. Amen. And Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. How do I know I have faith? I am obeying him. Amen. Even if it don't make sense, even if I don't comprehend it, I'm still obeying him. Amen. And that is proof that I have faith. And so always remember faith in action Your actions are going to be a result of your faith. And the unbelieving world is going to know who you are and what you really stand for based on what they see you do. Amen. If y'all believe that, go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap tonight. Praise God. Amen. And the just shall live by faith. And so that means we're going to be an obedient group of people because we have faith in God. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for blessing us to be here tonight. We thank you for your word. We know it's true. And we know that we are delivered and set free because of our commitment to your truth. Maybe you're watching this right now. You don't know Jesus as Lord. That's your first step. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to know how it's all going to work. You just got to use your free will to give your life over to him. Church, let's repeat this prayer so that anyone who hears this message will know how to receive Jesus as Lord. Repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. I commit my life into your hands. This day, I am saved. Do with me as you please and fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap for the Lord. Amen. Amen.